if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Isaiah 40, 31. We're continuing on and talking about knowing God, but specifically in waiting for the Lord. And I don't know about you, but this has just been an ongoing word fest of learn, learning more and more and more about how important it is to know God. It seems like knowing God is at the center of everything that is important for me as a believer to be successful while here on earth and operating the way God desires me to. And Isaiah 40, 31 is kind of where we are focusing a lot of our attention on as far as the text for what we're talking about. So Isaiah 40, 31 in the King James, it says, let's read this, let's read this together. Ready? Read. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. So it says, that's a promise for those who do what? Now, to wait on the Lord, uh, well, I'll define that in a second. Let's, let's go to Isaiah 64, verse 4 next. Isaiah 64, 4. So, so I have to wait on the Lord, and there's a promise that I'll be able to run and not be weary and walk and not faint. Uh, and I don't know about you, I'm, I'm into walking and not fainting. Amen? It says, for since the beginning of the world, men have not heard. Somebody say heard. Since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear. Neither hath the eye seen, O God, beside thee what he hath prepared for him that waiteth for him. Now this scripture is full of stuff and we're going to be breaking this down even more today but let's look at this one in the Amplified. I want you to see the B part but whatever you do as you're going through the Amplified version make sure you underline that word heard. It says for from of old, no one has heard nor perceived by the ear, nor has the eye seen a God besides you. Now, who's a God besides him? What is he? This shows some of the character of God. He is one who works and shows himself active on behalf of him who earnestly waits for him. What that's simply saying is, is God is a God who is working for you. God is a God who is at work on your behalf. But it is imperative for you to see the manifestation of that work that you wait for him. He's working, but you may not see the fruit of his work until you wait. And that's very important because many of us think that we have to do something to get God to do something. And this scripture is telling us that God is doing something regardless of what you're doing. He's work, not just doing just something, he's working on your behalf. He's working some things out for you. But in order for you to receive of that, you got to wait for him. 
So reading this and hearing this and understanding this, one would definitely want to know, well, what does it mean to wait for God? Now somebody say, I'm going to hear what you're saying today. Somebody say that. Because hearing is important if we're going to truly wait for the Lord. So let me give you the definitions of waiting for the Lord that we've talked about over the last several weeks. First of all, waiting for the Lord means to look to God for consultation. To look to God for consultation. To rely on God before, somebody say before, before any human aid is pursued. To look to God for consultation, to rely on God before any human aid is pursued. To wait for God is to trust God last, first. To wait for God is to trust God first, before your friends, before your family, before your own personal education, knowledge, and experience. The first thing you do is, I'm going to go to God first. To wait for God is to depend on God first. Before I depend on the paycheck, before I depend on the, the, the spouse, before I depend on uh, the kids, before I depend on anything else, I'm going to depend on God first. To rely on God first and to lean on God first. Hopefully you're getting a picture of what it means to truly wait for God. Waiting for God is not just like when you're waiting for somebody for a ride. You know what I mean? Sometimes you may be waiting for somebody for a ride and they, you don't know if they're showing up or they're not showing up fast enough and so you'll call somebody else. <laughs> hey man, they're running late, man. Can you hurry, uh, come get me? And then that person will show up. Then you call an Uber. So you waited for them but they didn't show up and so you had other plans. And you had a backup, and you had a plan A, a plan B, and a plan C. And, and as those plans aren't working out, you begin to adjust and change because they were an option for you, but they weren't the only option. And to wait for God means he is the only option. There is no plan B, there is no plan C, there is no Uber, there is no I'll call mom or dad or I'll call my husband or I'll call my wife. It is only whatever God has said, I'm sticking to it. He is my plan A, and he is my plan Z. There is no other option. When I'm waiting for God, I'm not trusting him to tell me how to do what I want to do. No, instead, I'm going to him first, empty of any of my personal desire, empty of any of my plans, and I am full of expectation based on his love for me that I've experienced in relationship with him. When I go to God, if I'm going to be truly waiting for him, I'm not going to him to get direction and understanding based on what I want to do. I don't go to him with my plans and my ideas already in mind and say, now, Lord, tell me how to do what I want to do. No, I'm saying even if what you want to do is good. What you may want to do is good, but is it God? Is it, is it what he wants you to do? Because sometimes you have a good idea, but it is not in his timing. Sometimes you have a good word, but it is not what he wants you to do at that time. 
Just because you can find something in the Bible doesn't mean he wants you to apply it to that situation at that time for those circumstances. It is what did God say right now? If you understand that, say amen. amen. So I got to make sure that it's not about my plans, it's about his plans. I expect from God first when I'm waiting for him. And I go to him before I try to work anything out on my own. If you understand all of that, say amen. amen. So that's what we've kind of defined as waiting for the Lord. Now, as we wait for God, the question should be, well, what do I do while I'm waiting for him? Because when we're waiting for him, this little thing called performance starts popping up. And this was alluded to in Isaiah 64, 4. We begin to get a little itchy, a little antsy. And sometimes the pressure comes on to do something. And if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves outperforming him. So let's talk a little bit about whose responsibility it is to perform while we're waiting. Look at Exodus uh, chapter 20, verse 1 with me. Exodus 20, uh, verse 1. And let's start off in the King James, and then we're going to look at a couple of different versions on today. Are y'all blessed on today? Amen. You doing well on today? Amen. Amen. Exodus 20, verse 1, it says, Then God spake all these words, saying, verse 2, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Now, and then he begins to go and talking to the children of Israel about some other things. But I thought this was very interesting when I was studying. Go back to verse 1. It says, who spake these words? Who? And then go to verse 2. So this is God talking. He said, I'm the Lord thy God, and I'm the one who did the work. Yeah, you obeyed, but this was my idea, and this was by my power. This was by my might. And when you're tempted to perform, you have to slow down and back up and say, what did God say? Because he certainly has a plan, and he certainly has directions for my life. He is working on my behalf. He wants to get something done, and I have to make sure that before I take any step, what is thus saith the Lord? Because the promise is, is he's working on my behalf, right? We saw that in Isaiah 64, 4. He's the one who brings us out. He's the one who delivers us. He's the one who rescues us, and he is the one who should be performing. God said that he is the one that is getting everything done for your life. As we trust in his performance, our performance then becomes secondary, not primary. Part of receiving your peace from God is going to be learning how to trust in what he's doing. Somebody says, that sounds very simple. It does sound very simple, but it, but it becomes very difficult to do when you're in day-to-day -day life issues. When you see sickness happening, when you see poverty happening, when you see uh, depression trying to sneak up on you, it becomes sometimes very difficult to wait for God and trust in what he's doing. 
But you're going to have to continue to remind yourself of the fact that God says, I am the one working on your behalf. I am the one performing. So while I'm performing, you rest. While I'm performing, you wait. Both mentally and physically, rest. Both mentally and physically, trust. Both mentally and physically, wait. Because if you get to work, then now, now I got to rest. If you start performing, I got to wait for you. Because God has given us free will, and he's promised that he's never going to get in our way. And sometimes we think God has forgotten about us. Sometimes we think God is just, you know, uh, uh, punishing us. And I'm telling you, God loves you, and it's not that he's forgotten about you. It's not that he's punishing you. Sometimes he's just waiting for you to stop. I don't know who this is for, but this is for somebody. Sometimes he's just waiting for you to stop. Stop what? Stop moving. Sometimes he's waiting for you to stop. Stop what? Stop talking. <laughs> Sometimes he's waiting for you to stop. Stop what? Stop thinking so much. I can't even think. Not unless you're doing it the Philippians 4 way. Not unless you're doing it thinking as Paul instructed the church of Philippi. Thinking on things that are true, lovely, of a good report. But sometimes those thoughts are, are rolling and you find yourself in neg negative meditation because you're thinking on these negative things. And I'm, a, I'm literally about to preach my whole message in three sentences. Somebody said, I'm with that. Let's, let's get out of here. <laughs> but those negative thoughts become negative. Uh, those negative words become negative thoughts, and those negative thoughts become negative feelings that lead to negative decisions, that lead to, lead to negative actions, and before you know it, you're speaking negative things. And so, yes, sometimes you have to turn off the mind and rest in what God has said. You think because of the situations and circumstances that failure is at your front door. But I'm here to tell you that God is the God of peace who is protecting your house. And if you rest and trust in him, that thing that you thought was going to come in is just going to pass you by. Because it will look at your house and just like in the, with the children of Israel, there'll be blood of Jesus over your doorpost and it'll say, well, I can't go in there because that's a house that trusts God. But if I am not resting in what the finished works of Jesus has done, if I'm not resting in his performance, if I'm not resting in his blood, what I'll do is I'll open up the door to the negative thing that's on the outside, and before I know it, it'll be in my house. Not because God caused it, but because I let it in. I have to trust in the performance of what Jesus has done, and that blood that was on the doorpost in the Old Testament represents the blood of Jesus that is now over your entire life. And if you trust in the blood and if you rest in the blood and the performance of what Jesus has already done, you are promised peace. If you understand that, say amen. amen. So waiting for God requires resting in him. It requires faith. Somebody say faith. Now, as I wait for God, I have to have faith. And, and in order to have faith, we, we, we can find scriptures in the Bible that tells us how do we have faith. According to the word of God, faith requires hearing. Somebody say hearing. hearing. It's very interesting that in those scriptures we read in Isaiah, it says not everybody has heard. 
Not everybody has heard, so, so everybody hasn't perceived. Well, whenever, whenever I see somebody who hadn't heard, I already know that that's a person who's not in faith. Because faith requires hearing. And hearing requires God's word that has been shared. Faith requires hearing, and hearing requires God's word, and it requires God's word that has been shared. Let me show you this. Go with me to Romans 10, 13. Romans 10, 13, and we're going to read to 15, and we're going to hop to 17. Romans 10, 13 tells us how one receives faith. It says, for whosoever, that's everybody, so this applies to you. It didn't say whosoever was saved, whosoever was not saved, whosoever was Gentile, whosoever was Jew or Greek, whosoever was male or female, it said whosoever. So for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, here's the promise, shall be saved. So that's a promise for everybody. Verse 14, how then shall they call on him? This is like, how many of y'all want to be saved? Well, I mean, you're already saved, a lot of y'all, but how many of y'all want to walk in your salvation? <laughs> it says, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? I can't call on God if I don't believe in God. And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard. There's that word again. And how shall they hear without a preacher? Verse 15. And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace. What's the gospel of peace? The gospel of grace. The gospel that all is well. The gospel that God has saved you not because you're good but because simply put he's good and bring glad tidings of good things verse 17 so then how does faith come how does faith come now we're just building a little foundation here how does faith come and hearing by what so faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes from the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. If I'm going to have faith, the Bible says I'm saved by grace through my faith. Faith is a very important ingredient to me living at peace and receiving all that God has for me. So how many of you guys know I, I better have some faith? It's important to have faith. I can't wait for the Lord without faith. And the Bible says in order to have faith, I got to hear. So if I'm going to be a student of the word, if I'm going to be a child of God, I need to know what hearing means. So let's look at that word right there, hearing. That word hearing in the Bible means this. Well, yeah, it means to attend to, to attend to. Consider what is or has been said. And I'll say this a couple of times. To hear means to understand. To perceive the sense of what is said. To get by hearing or to learn. 
to find out. A thing that comes to one's ears. To give ear to a teaching or a teacher to comprehend. I'll say that again in a minute. But this is all helping me understand that to hear is not just me sitting and having things come and nothing happens. To hear means that this stuff comes to your ears. More specifically, the word of God comes to your ears and you understand it. Your brain does something with what has been presented. There's a comprehension that takes place when you hear God's word, the gospel. And then and only then can one say, I heard you. If you've been married or if you're a parent, you understand exactly what I'm saying. How many times have you said things and then they didn't hear you? Well, how do you know they heard you? Because you see it in how they behave. And often our behavior is not right because our hearing was wrong. Oh, you were present. Oh, you showed up. But you didn't hear. You didn't understand. And because you don't understand, you don't know. And this is saying, if you're going to have faith, you're going to have faith by what? Hearing, but hearing more specifically by the word of God. So hearing is to attend to, to consider what is or has been said, to understand, to perceive the sense of what is said, to get by hearing, to learn. A thing that comes to one's ears, to find out, to give ear to a teaching or teacher, or to comprehend. So there's this expectation that I am going to have God's word come to my ears and then I'm going to understand what it is I heard. And as I understand what I heard, I will now develop this faith or this confidence in what I heard. And as I develop this confidence in what I heard, I now rest in what I heard because I can trust the one who said it. That's why I said I'm not your number one teacher, the Holy Spirit is. Because I'm a man, I'm going to do the best I can by, by the Holy Spirit. But how many guys know you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you? And as I'm teaching you what I'm teaching you, he, is, he should be talking to you on the inside. Is, he's the voice behind the words that I'm saying. Amen. And as he's teaching you, you can trust what it is that you're hearing. Amen. And as you're trusting in what he's saying to you, you then find yourself resting in what he's telling you. Sometimes you'll be sitting in a message and he's telling you, it's all right. You're healed. You're whole. You're prosperous. Sometimes he's giving you specific instructions and directions. As the word of God is going forth, the Holy Ghost will be talking to you. Hear him. Because as you hear him, he's going to help you hear the word. No longer do you just have to sit here and listen to scriptures being thrown at you and not understand what it is God is trying to say. 
That's a lie from the enemy. He is constantly talking to you, and the Holy Spirit is giving you understanding. Why? Because God wants you to have faith. You're going to need that confidence in him, that confidence in his word, in order to wait for him. He's not expecting you to wait for him just because. He wants you to wait for him because you trust his word. And when you develop a confidence or a faith or a trust in his word, it's like an anchor to your soul. It's like an anchor to your mind, your will, and your emotions. And I, I hold on to that. Some of us are blown over very quickly because we're just trying to religiously trust God. I'm just doing it because that's what mom said. I'm just doing it because that's what dad said. I'm just doing it that, because that's what pastor said. But as soon as life happens, because your, your, your soul is not anchored in his word. So waiting for him becomes almost impossible because you have no faith. And I'm here to tell you that it takes that faith to wait for God. I said it takes that faith to wait for God. And how will you have the faith unless you hear? But not hearing just anything, hear the word. Well, how do I hear the word from a preacher? Yeah. Now you know why God don't want you to come. I mean, now you know why the enemy doesn't want you to come hear God at the church. Because that's where the preacher's at. Now you know why the enemy is just trying to get you to get all your spiritual nutrition through a scripture shared on Facebook. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but all I know is, is you'll get a whole lot more from the preacher because that's just the way God set it up. I'm going to stick to the way he set it up to try to build my faith. Those other things may encourage me, but if you want to have faith, if you want to have an anchor, stick to doing it God's way. Now, what does it mean to preach, by the way? Here's what it means to preach. To publish, to proclaim openly something which has been done. To publish or to proclaim openly, not something that's going to be done, something which has been done. As we teach, as we preach from these pulpits, our responsibility is to naturally and practically proclaim what God has already done. But I want you to understand, like I just told you a minute ago, I am not the primary preacher in your life. I said, I am not the primary preacher in your life. I said, I am not the number one preacher in your life. For me to be the number one preacher in your life would mean you're waiting for Archie. Some of you get where I'm going. For me to be the number one preacher of the word of God in your life would mean you have to wait for Archie. You have to expect from Archie. You have to depend on Archie. You have to rely on Archie because he is the one that is feeding you the word. Your faith is only based on what Archie brings to you. But there is one who is greater than Archie. There is one who is preaching to you every day and every night. There is one who is declaring the word of God to you nonstop all the time. His name is the Holy Ghost. And when Jesus left, he said, I'm going to leave you my peace. I'm going to leave you one who is going to, it says it right there, teach you. 
bring things to your remembrance, show you things to come. That sounds like a preacher, one who is proclaiming openly and publishing something which has been done. The Holy Ghost is the number one preacher in your life. The question is, are you showing up for the sermons? He's preaching. He's preaching to you right now. And you don't have a preaching problem. you got to check your receiver. Because that word's coming out. Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. How many saved folks I have in the house? You have the Holy Ghost living on the inside of you. Don't, 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 represent it. Receive it. Get it. Some of y'all are like, huh? I think it applies to me. Yeah. But that's why the enemy, we, remember we started off, uh, when we first started live preaching, we started off by talking about the Holy Spirit and his role in our lives and the fact that Jesus definitely did what he did and Christ lives on the inside of us. And we weren't belittling that. We weren't belittling Jesus by far, but God had told me to make sure we share first about the person of the Holy Ghost. And that freaked some people out. Some people left church. How dare you talk about the Holy Spirit and not just Jesus? Well, it never said Jesus was your preacher. It never said Jesus was your teacher. It never said Jesus, I mean, Jesus had, had and has his roles. But if you don't understand the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden, your source of receiving faith is gone. And then you're sitting here trying to get faith from Jesus, and it never said Jesus was going to give you faith. See, that bothers some people. But you got to hear the truth. My faith is in Jesus. My faith is in what he did. My faith is in, in who he was. But he, he's not the preacher, if you understand, that is speaking on the inside of me. That's the Holy Ghost's job. Amen. And as I get to know him and spend time with him and hear him, now I can have faith. Now I can have, have an anchor to my soul. Now I can wait for the Lord. Now I can wait for him to do what he said he's going to do. Now I can receive his instruction on what I should do. So many people are religiously living a Christian faith trying to imitate or mimic what Jesus did while he was here on earth. That is incorrect. Jesus said, greater works. You're going to do greater things than what I did. Sure, you can look at what I did as an example, but there's greater things for you to do. So I'm leaving you a teacher. I'm leaving you a God. I'm leaving you a power source to do what he says to do. And he said, and he will teach you. He will show you the things from the Father. The Holy Spirit is your preacher. And he's constantly sharing the perfect sermon for your life. So I want to ask you a question. Have you heard from God today. If you're going to receive God's peace, you have to wake up every day and determine, Lord, I'm going to hear from you. Every single day, he's talking. Every single day, he's sharing. Go with me to John 14, 26. Let me make sure I give you word on this so you can see it about the Holy Spirit. John 14, 26. Let's look at this in the Amplified.
what he had. There we go. But the Comforter, that's talking about the Holy Spirit, capital C there, Counselor, Helper, Intercessor, Advocate, Strengthener, Standby, and that word standby means power source, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. Now, why do you say who the Father will send in my name? Yeah, he hadn't come yet. He hadn't come yet. Jesus was still alive, and it wasn't the Holy Spirit's turn to do what he needed to do. Right. Now, I'm pausing there for a second because, again, for those of us who struggle with the Jesus, and it's like Jesus versus the Holy Spirit, you understand they cooperate together. But I also want you to see that there was a time when Jesus was walking physically on earth, and he indeed was the teacher. He indeed was the preacher. But then that, that time of him physically being here and walking in that role ceased, and then the Holy Spirit came. Now, before Jesus was on earth, you had just God the Father who spoke through the law. But then when Jesus showed up, and that's when people start freaking out because he was like, it ain't about the law no more. I'm fulfilling the law. And the same way some of y'all looking at me is how they was looking at him. <laughs> what you mean, the Holy Spirit, in spite of Jesus? That's not what I'm saying. Jesus and what he did was perfect, just like the law was perfect. It had Every dispensation had its job. But you got to recognize that there was a time that the Father, who is God, sent the Holy Spirit. And that's the time we're now living in. The Father will send in my name, and in case you don't really believe me, in my place. Did you hear what I said? If Jesus was standing in a place, and he's saying that the Father is going to send the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the Counselor, Helper, Intercessor, Advocate, Strengthener, Standby, in my place, what does that mean? I will no longer be in that place. I'm going to step out of that role as your counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, standby on earth. And on earth, you're going to have help, a helper who will step now in that place. You will never be without. You will never be left alone. You will always have the presence of God with you. But now we got something better. It's not just God with us, it's God in us. No, 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 wait, 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 wait. Y'all stop quick. That was, that was cool. All right. <laughs> now, according to Acts 1 8, it's not just God in us, you got God on you. Come on, somebody. You got God on you. And ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come up on you. See, we, we've been talking about waiting for him because God is in us, and, and I'm about three messages ahead of myself right now, but it, waiting for God helps me because I can work out inside of me all of what God is saying to do and that all is well in my life and everything like that, but there's an empowerment that the Holy Ghost not only works in me, but now he works on me. The Holy Ghost came on Samson to do what he did. The Holy Ghost came on David to kill Goliath, the bear, the lion. 
When the Holy Ghost comes on you, it is to physically get things done in the earth that was impossible otherwise without him. Got some water need walking on, got some walls need knocked down, got some fire need walking through. You got the Holy Ghost on you to get those things done. But you got to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit that has now come into the place as the primary preacher in your life. But he's not just the primary preacher in your life. He is the primary power source in your life so that you can get all things done that God has instructed you to do. And again, this is no way belittling Jesus. Without Jesus, none of this would be even possible. Without the blood, none of this would be possible. Without his body going on that cross, none of this would be possible. But that's why I always say, don't get stuck right there. Appreciate that. Praise that. Enjoy that. But there is work to be done after the cross. And as you wait for God, he will assure you that all is well in your life. But then he will instruct you on how to get moving to help another. If you understand that, say amen. amen. So he comes in my name in my place to represent me and act on my behalf. He will teach you all things. That's why I say he's the primary preacher. He's the primary teacher in your life. He's telling you what has happened, he's telling you what is happening, and he's telling you what's going to happen. All things means all. And he will cause you to recall, will remind you of, bring to your remembrance, Jesus said, everything that I have told you. That's why I conclude that he is the primary preacher, the primary teacher, the primary instructor in my life. And he is the one proclaiming the good news of the gospel to each and every one of us. So again, have you heard from God today? Go with me to Hebrews, 11, uh, Hebrews 8, verse 11, and we'll read 11 to 13. Hebrews 8, 11. And uh, let's look at this in an ERV version. Yes, the Irv. Amen. <laughs> Hebrews 8, 11. It says, and we're going to go to verse uh, 11 all the way to 13. It says, never again will anyone have to teach their neighbors or their family to know the Lord. Well, how come? All people, the greatest and the least important, will know me. Whew, that's a pretty strong and to the point promise. He said, and I will forgive the wrongs they have done. And I will not Remember their sins. Verse 13. God called this a what? A new agreement or a new covenant. The old one was now obsolete. The old one was thrown away. The old one said that if you do good, you're going to get good. But if you do bad, you're going to get bad. You have to perform these 613 laws and do them without fail. The old covenant said if you messed up in one, you messed up all of them. The old covenant said that because we're, we know you're going to mess up all of them, that you have to do a sin sacrifice once a year. But this new agreement, God just simply says, I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my people. 
and I got you. I'm going to remember your sins no more. But not just remember them no more, I'm going to forgive them. I'm going to wipe the debt. I said, I'm going to wipe the debt. It's not going to be a charge to you because it's already been charged to Jesus, so you have no debt to me. That's hard for people to, to, to receive because you've been living the majority of your life thinking that you still owe God something. And God said, you come into him, Lord, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry, Lord. He said, for what? <laughs> but you know what I did? I, you saw me. I, I saw you, but then I, I saw Jesus' blood. And even if I wanted to charge it to your account, I can't because his blood has recompensed, it has paid for it, has atoned for what you were going to do, what you did, and what you're doing. See, if you stop and really start thinking about that, it'll make you weep. Because you start realizing, what are you saying that no matter what I've done, no matter what I do, the blood is there for me? Absolutely. And it's the understanding of that, it's the hearing of that, that makes one want to stop sinning. Because to continue to sin and to continue in sin is then to say, Lord, I spit on the blood of Jesus. How many people in the house enjoy and want to spit on the blood of Jesus? How many people want to spit on the cross? Absolutely no one. So all of a sudden now, I begin to develop this motivation and say, I want to get to know the one who's done this for me. And as I get to know him, then the Holy Spirit goes to work on the inside of me, teaching me and developing me and training me and changing me. And all of a sudden, my behavior changes. Not because I'm so good, but because he's good. It says, God called this a new agreement. So he has made the first agreement old. And anything that is old and useless is ready to disappear. So anything that is old and useless is ready to disappear. But as I said in verse 11 and 12, in this new agreement, he promises to be the one to teach us. We will know him through what he says and what he does. Say this with me. Say, I have a teacher, and his name is the Holy Ghost. When we truly hear him, now that we understand what hearing means, understand, to comprehend. When we truly hear him, then we will obey him. We've been trying to obey him without hearing him. We've been hearing the words of man that may have come from the words of God, but you've got to hear him for you. Amen? Amen? It's like going to a class and then trying to pass a test based on somebody else's understanding. There is no cheating at this. I got to be there and be present and comprehend for myself in order to wait for him and what he's telling me to do. I can't, I can't do this on Melissa's understanding. I can't do this on my mama's understanding or my dad's understanding. I can't do this on Dr. Dollar's understanding. I have to hear for me and comprehend for me because he will then give me instructions and I have to understand if I'm going to actually do them. But to have somebody else's words and then try to take action based on what they know, that's called religion. Trying to take spiritual action with no understanding is just religion. You're just going through the motions. Yes, trying to take spiritual action without understanding is just religion. You don't know why they do that. 
You don't know where that came from. They just said to do it, so you do it. Y'all know we ain't against tithing. Abraham tithe. We believe in tithe. But how many of you guys spent the majority of your life, and some of you still do it right now because maybe you didn't know what I'm about to say, but you spent the majority of your life tithing because of Malachi 3.10. Or 3.9 and 10. Raise your hand. Somebody like, wait, what's wrong with that? <laughs> Let me show you something real quick. Go to Malachi 1.1 real quick on the uh, screen. Malachi 1.1. Now, I've been told, that's, I've been told the majority of my life that this is, you know, the reason why we tithe. But when you got to read this in context, it says this is a message from the Lord to who? All my Jewish people make some noise. So we got one. And we're going to pray for her afterwards because she's lying. <laughs> this is a message from the Lord to Israel. God used Malachi to tell this message to the people. So who is this message to? Now what did we just read by the way about the old law? This is a message from Malachi to God's people and he is warning them because they've been breaking the law in their giving and in other areas. So he begins to tell them if you don't tithe like the law says to, you're going to be cursed. But for us who are not Jewish, but even if you were, because somebody said, I am Jewish. Even if you were, you just read with me in Hebrews that the old covenant is obsolete. So even if it did apply to you based on your ethnicity, it's no longer the case. Now I tithe simply to honor God like Abraham did before it was even a law. But because somebody told me, based on their understanding, I now do it religiously without any understanding. And to do that is to not wait for God. Now, God's not condemning you or beating you down if you've done that. You didn't know. I said, you didn't know. But now that you're seeing the truth in the Word, and the Holy Spirit is teaching you right now, the Holy Spirit will now instruct you as you go forward. And to wait for him is to trust what he's saying. If you understand that, say amen. amen. So that's just a good example of practically what it means to be, be doing something based on somebody else's understanding and then learn what God's word says for you and learn the truth. And then now you make a new choice based on what he now will say. And as you make that new choice based on what he now says, you are officially waiting for him. If you understand that, say amen. amen. So when we truly hear from God, we will obey him. And we are promised the blessing to get what he wants for us when we obey. We are promised the blessing to get what he wants in your life when you obey. Now let me clarify something in that. Because you can hear that and hear works. Like I got to do something and then he'll bless me. No, no, no. Like we've said a bunch of times, imagine those flowers are the blessing of God. Because of grace, that blessing has already been made available to you. But if I am waiting for God, which way should I turn 
to obtain what he's made. Which literally, which way should I turn? Yeah, to my right, which I think is your left. But if I go straight, am I going to receive God's blessing? So obedience has a role in me obtaining the blessing, but my obedience doesn't have a role in him making the blessing. Because of grace, the blessing has already been made. But if I don't obey because of my faith, because of hearing from him, because of knowing him, if I don't have that, I'll never get that. Not because Jesus didn't make it available. Not because God doesn't love me. It's because I am not obeying. So my obedience doesn't make the blessing. My obedience helps me obtain the blessing. Archie, wake up. Turn right. Take three steps. One more. <laughs> turn left. Take one step. You got it. His blessing will always be found wherever he tells me to be. But if I choose not to hear him, if I choose not to have faith, if I don't choose to submit my will to his will, if I choose not to make his desires my desires, I will never obtain what he has for me. I'll end up somewhere, but the blessing won't be there. And it's not because of anything he hasn't done, he's talking, he's created it, he's worked on my behalf. But because I didn't rest in him, I ended up somewhere else because I made all the decisions. That's why he tells us, hey, my thoughts aren't your thoughts, my ways aren't your ways, but my ways are good because I got the perfect thing for you. So know me and trust me and follow me and every single time you end up right where I need you to be at because I got some good stuff waiting for you. But we got to choose to rest. That's why the enemy's after your peace because your peace will then lead you right to where God wants you to be. That's why all that noise is in your life right now so that the voice of God is frustrated and can't be heard clearly. Because for some of you, it's not even that you're walking the wrong direction. You're just standing still too long. God said move two years ago, and you, and you still, like, I, I don't know if I should move or not. God, God tell me. He's like, I, I told you. Get to moving. Where? To the right. Family says to the left. Friends say, walk straight. Social media says, go backwards. But God is saying, go to the right. But because you have all these competing voices that you are hearing, that you are receiving, that you are comprehending, you don't know which one to choose. I'm telling you today, shut up all, shut up all the other voices. Cut them off. Throw them away. Put them down. Until you have matured in your ability to hear from him. Oh, I'm not preaching a new rule to you. I'm just saying until you have honed in on his voice, I would encourage you to cut the rest off. There was a time in my life I had to cut the family voices off. I had to cut the friend voices off. I even had to cut the mentor voices off for a moment. Because all those were good things, but, but I found out that those things were becoming my source. 
And until I matured in hearing God's will for my life, until I matured in hearing his word, until I matured in knowing him and spending time with him, I didn't want to hear any other voices. And it wasn't very long before I could more clearly hear the voice of God. Well, how do I know I'm hearing him? Because you will see manifested blessing in your life over and over and over again. The blessing is the evidence that you've heard. Somebody say, wait, I, ain't, I don't got a lot of blessing flowing in my life. Don't, don't condemn yourself. <laughs> don't condemn yourself. Just hear and now adjust. If you understand that, say amen. So here's a few outcomes from waiting for the Lord. As we wait for God, number one, we just talked about it, obedience is an outcome of waiting for the Lord. If I'm going to truly wait for him, if I'm going to truly listen to him, if I'm going to truly follow him, I should see myself now doing what he said. Some of you are, let's pray, Lord, help me do your will. Well, be willing to wait for him. And obedience will be an outcome. Number two, patience. Patience is an outcome of waiting for God. And, and this one kind of goes hand in hand with that joy. Joy also is an outcome of waiting for the Lord. Go with me to James chapter 1, very familiar uh, group of scriptures. James chapter 1, and we'll stay in the same version uh, for the sake of time. But I should have joy and patience as I'm hearing from God and then waiting for God. As I'm understanding his word, it says, greetings from James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to God's people who are scattered where? Now, we just read in Malachi, this was specifically, they were talking specifically a lot to the children of Israel, but this says to God's people. So now you can say, this is for me. Not to God's people just in Africa, not to God's people just in Europe, not to God. It says all, you're scattered all over the world. So this is for us. James 1, 2. My brothers and sisters, not just for men. Somebody say equality. Hey, I'm, I, I'm trying to show you all this stuff is all through the word. My brothers and sisters, leaving the women out. He said this is for everybody. You will have many kinds of trouble. Now, I thought that was kind of interesting that he starts off with that. Because I thought I was supposed to have a trouble-free life. No, God never promised that you would have a battle-free life. He just promises the victory. Amen? You have many types of troubles, but this gives you a reason to be very happy. Real quick, go to the King James. Says this gives you a reason to be very happy, but I like the way the King James says it's better. It says, count it all joy. Because that word happy is based on circumstance, but this is not. That's, that's kind of not, not so good of a translation for that word. Count it all joy. When you fall into diverse temptations or when troubles happen. Now, if you're taking notes, write this down. Joy comes from what I know. What I know about what? What you know about God's word to you. Joy comes from what you've heard. Joy comes from what you've developed faith in. If God says he loves me and I find myself in trouble, I know I'm going to be rescued. I know all is well. I got to think that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they walked into that fire, they had joy. 
they, they say that we know our God and even if he don't show up, we know he's still real. That's joy. That's joy. Even if, even if, even if we get burned, that doesn't change who he is. That's joy. Joy comes from what I know. Joy doesn't freeze me. Joy doesn't produce fear. Joy produces this confidence, and I continue to move and move specifically in him. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, verse uh, 3. Literally what we just said. Knowing this, joy comes from what I know, that the trying of your faith, how do I get faith? Hearing, hearing and hearing what? The trying of this word that you've heard. That's what trouble is there for. It's to test the word that you heard. I thought, it was, I thought it was testing me. No, get you out the way and off your mind. You're good. The test is on the word that you heard. Somebody going to get this in about 30 seconds. The test is on the word that you heard, not on you. You're protected. All is well with you. I thought this was to beat me up and to try to teach. No, you're good. God would never cause anything to come and hurt his kids. It is his word that has mounted garrison around your heart. It is his word that is over your life. And his word is strong enough to put up with anything that comes against you. It's the word taking the hit. The only time you take the hit is when you don't wait for him and you step out in you. And then you start taking hits like, oh, oh, this is a test from God. God's like, get out the way. What are you doing? Put my word back in front of you. Let my faith, let the faith that you're developing from this word be your shield. You were never designed to take hits from the enemy, but his word can withstand anything. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith, the word that, that has come, uh, the confidence in the word that has come from what you've heard from me, Works patience. What am, I, what am I patient about? I'm just confident and expecting that his word is going to hold up. And the more these trials happen, the more this trouble comes, the more I see the word working. And so I've learned to wait for God, having confidence in him, also known as patience. Because you may not get what I'm seeing, but I know what I'm seeing. I'm seeing another performance of the great one. And I'm watching it. And you ought to just be sitting there eating popcorn. Just watching trouble get whooped by the word of God. Patiently knowing that it may be over in round one, two, or three, but it's going to be over. And all I'm doing is resting. All I'm doing is being at peace. All I'm doing is being at ease. Why? Because I trust in him. Because I know him. And so I'm waiting for him, expecting him, not requiring any human aid before him because I trust that his word is strong enough to do what it says it's going to do. The trying of my faith worketh patience, verse 4. But let patience have her what? Perfect work. Complete work. Go to the Amplified real quick. I want you to see what, what, what that word perfect really breaks down. But let patience, let endurance and steadfastness and patience have 
full play and do a thorough work. Patience has a job to do. And you've got to be careful not to fire patience. Well, that's about long enough. I think I'm going to take over now. You're taking a little too long. No, patience got a job to do. Don't take patience off the clock. Let patience have a third work so that you may be a people perfectly and fully developed with no defects. With no defects. I think it's interesting because not being able to hear clearly is also a defect that happens sometimes to people in the natural, and I think it can happen to people spiritually too, is that I'm hard of hearing of the voice of God and the word of God, and so that, that, that literally messes up my faith. And we got many Christians who are walking around not fully developed because they haven't let patience do its thorough work, and so their hearing is not fully developed. And that's why I said sometimes you gotta cut everything else off so that he can develop you in that area. Fully developed with no defects, lacking in nothing. No thing will you lack. Verse 5. Then he says, if any of you is deficient in wisdom, wisdom is knowing what to do when you don't know what, know what to do. How do I get wisdom? Ask God. Not just any God, the giving God. God is not withholding any good thing from you. Who gives to who? Just the Israelites? Just the black folk? Just the white people? Just the Asians, just my Latino brothers and sisters. No, to everyone, freely or liberally. And I love this part, ungrudgingly. I say it all the time, God ain't mad at you. He especially is not mad at you because you're in a process. Some of you are sitting out here hearing this and you say, oh, this is good. I need to, oh, you need to start beating yourself up. I need to hurry up and get this. No, slow down. God is not mad at you because you're in a process. God is not mad at you because this is maybe your first time understanding this. He is not in a rush with you. <laughs> Be patient. <laughs> As you learn how to hear from God, you're not going to miss out on anything. He's giving you this ungrudgingly without reproaching or without fault finding. And it will be given to him. How many of you guys know that patience is indeed an outcome of waiting for God and so is joy? Another outcome of waiting for God is direction. Again, we just gave that example earlier that is, if I'm waiting for him, then I will hear from him and I will understand where he wants me to go. How many of you guys right now today are, are, are believing God for some direction on some things? Amen. Amen. Raise your hand. Look, look, look around. You're not the only one. So how do I get direction? Wait for God. Hear him and then understand, comprehend. So that means I can't just get a word and go. God told me you're going to be a pastor. Oh, I'm about to go start a church. Whoa, you didn't hear the rest of the sentence in 10 years. God says to start a ministry. You know what I'm saying? But, but, but hearing him, it involved that word, hearing him, uh, both in the, the Greek and the Hebrew, it, it involves comprehension. Not just having heard, it's, it's you, it's you got it, it came to your ears, and then you spent some time with him and with it, and you gained understanding. So, so as I hear him, I'll receive direction. Another outcome of waiting for God is understanding. Another one we've talked about in detail today is faith. 
How does faith come? Faith comes by? And hearing by the word of? And who gives the word of God? Yeah, and he is your number one? Preacher, teacher, yes. Ooh, give yourselves a hand. That was good. <laughs> and then also we talked about over here with the example with the flowers, manifestation of the blessing. The blessing is there, but it being manifested in your life, that is another outcome of waiting for God. Go to, with me to Psalms chapter 62. We're going to look at verse 1. So all these outcomes are part of hearing from God. And, and as I hear from him and I wait for him, I will find myself at peace. I will find myself with nothing missing, lacking, or broken. Kind of makes sense now, right? I find myself in harmony and at one with his will and his purpose for my life. But to hear him, we said it earlier, I got to get a little more quiet. Psalm 62, verse 1. Uh, let's look at this in the New Living Translation first. Uh, actually, no, sorry, leave it in the Amplified. Leave it right there. For God alone, my soul waits how? Silencio. My soul waits in silence. Now, what is my soul? My soul is my mind, my will, and my emotions. For God, my mind, for God alone, my soul, my mind, my will. I don't have any emotions about this thing just yet. To take on emotions without hearing from God is dangerous. Because good emotions that line up with God's word and will will take you towards where he wants you to be at. But sometimes we see a thing and we decide about it and negative feelings come up and then we find ourselves away from what he said to do. For my God, for God alone, 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 not for anybody else, but for God alone, he's the only one that I'm considering. My soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. As I wait for him alone and I quiet myself, I'll have the benefits of what salvation provides. But it's for him alone. Verse 2. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my foundation. He is what I build upon. He is the thing that doesn't move. He is the thing that is constant in my life. He only is my rock and he is my salvation, not me or anyone else. He is my defense and my fortress. I shall not be greatly moved, not because I'm so strong, not because I'm standing so firm, but because I am clinging to him. And as I cling to him, the rock, as I am hidden in him, my fortress, I can't be moved because he can't be moved. See, again, it's not about how great I am. It's not about how strong I am. It's about how great and strong he is. And when I cling to him, and when I hide in him, no matter what comes, it doesn't move me because it doesn't move him. Verse 3. How long will you set upon a man that you may slay him, all of you, like a leaning wall, like a tottering fence? Verse 4. They only consult to cast him down from his height to dishonor him. They delight in lies. They bless with uh, their mouths, but they are cursed inwardly. They, but they curse inwardly. Inwardly, Selah pause and calmly think of that. Verse five: 
my soul does what? Wait only upon God and silently submit to him. See, I, when I'm silently submitting to him, peace is the byproduct. Remember what the title of the day was, receiving your peace from God. I got to silently submit to him. Peace is a byproduct when I wait. Silently submit to him for my hope and expectation are not from my works, but from him. This whole thing is about knowing and trusting him. Verse uh, 6. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense and he's my fortress. Again, I shall not be moved. Why won't I be moved? Because I'm clinging to him. Because he's my fortress, I'm hiding in him. Verse 8. Oh, sorry, verse 7. Sorry, go back. With God rests my salvation and my glory. He is my rock of unyielding strength and impenetrable hardness. When you're in him, nothing can get to you. Y'all missed a good place to say amen. amen. When you're in him, nothing can get to you. He has created a space of protection for you, but it is up to you to get in it. Again, it's there, but you got to go into that place and stay there. And my refuge is in God. Verse 8, trust in, lean on, rely on, and have confidence in him how often? At all times. Who? Who? You people. <laughs> all of y'all, all of us, pour out your hearts before him. God is a refuge for us, a fortress and a high tower. And it says, Selah, pause and calmly and calmly and calmly. <laughs> Think on that. Are you getting the picture here? He's my fortress. He's my rock. I, I need to chill. I need to chill out. I need to be quiet. I need to stop worrying. I need to stop doubting. I need to stop being afraid. I know what I see, but I know the one who is my creator. I know what they said, but I know what God says. And, it, and I, I refuse to move from my place of peace. My place of peace is my strong tower. My place of peace is my refuge. My place of peace is the one who holds me in his hands. My place of peace is the one who said he'll never leave me nor forsake me. My place of peace is my place in God. He is my peace. He is my fortress. He is my strong tower. He is all that I need. He is my God. I am his person. And because of this new covenant, I know all is well in my life. It doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter what they think. It don't even matter what I think. Because half the time I can't even trust what I think. So I'm just going to not think and instead just say what he says by his word. I'm going to let him preach to me every single day. And I'm going to hear what he has to say. Every day there's a fresh new word from God. Just is waiting for me so that I can fall into it, so that I can hide in it, and I can lean on and stand on and hold on and sometimes cling to with the last bit that's within me because I trust in him, not in anybody else, not in anything else, not in what the doctors say, not in what the bank account says, not in what the divorce lawyer says, not in what the school says, not in what the report card says, glory to God, not in what the, 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 the loan says. I trust in him. 
And now, because I'm trusting in him, I can be at peace. I can have nothing missing, nothing lacking, nothing broken, because I heard a word from God. And I believe it. I trust it. And with everything that's within me, I'm relying on what he said. So I'm making a decision that not another day in my life when I move from my place of peace, I receive today a new residence. And it's 123 Peace Street. <laughs> and I'm going to hang out with him. Because in that place, I don't need insurance. Because I am assured of what he says. There is no backup plan. There is no what if the storm takes it away. Can't no storm stand against the resonance of the Holy One. It comes. But all that happens is proof that he is stronger than anything. So today I want you to receive your peace from God by making a decision that you're just going to rest in the residence that he's created for you. It's no longer about what you can do, but it's 100% about what he's done. If you understand that, say amen. 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 Come on, let's give God a hand clap of praise. Amen. Just lift your hands right where you're at. Father God, we just receive your peace on today. We receive this place that you have created for us in you. You are a fortress. You are a defense. You are a strong tower. We rest right now, our souls. We quiet ourselves. And we hear you. Holy Spirit, we receive the sermons that you're preaching to us on a daily basis. We receive your instructions. We receive what you're proclaiming and declaring and even teaching us from what the Father is saying. And we'll be careful to give you all the glory, honor, and praise. Now, right now, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you for manifestation of your grace in the lives of every person under the sound of my voice in the life of everyone watching through this feed, in the lives of everyone hearing this on this CD. We thank you, praise you, Lord, in the lives of everyone hearing through whatever casts they may be hearing it through. We declare right now peace in Jesus' name. Nothing missing, nothing lacking, nothing broken. We declare healing right now in bodies in Jesus' name. And we give you all the glory, honor, and praise for the victory that comes as a result. In Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say amen. 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 Come on and give him praise for all of that. Amen. I'm telling you guys what, as we dive deeper and deeper into this thing, we're just going to continue to discover more and more how much he loves us. We're just going to continue to discover more and more how much he set us up for victory, how, how little it is for us to do other than to believe him. And you're going to find out that Christianity wasn't as hard as you thought it was. <laughs> and just great things are in store for, 
for this house, for your house. And I'm just looking forward to seeing all that God has to do. Amen. Amen. Want to thank uh, you guys too for uh, all those who came out and uh, served with the, with us uh, yesterday for the uh, home going of Sister uh, Vicky uh, Matthews, uh, member of our church, mighty woman of God, and uh, just came here believing and receiving. And uh, and you know sometimes people says people say when somebody goes home to be with the Lord, um, sorry for your loss. And and, and here we don't believe in lost. Uh, that that person is lost. Why? Because we know where they're at. She's in heaven at peace with a glorified body. And, and while it hurts for those of us who remain, it's important that we all understand that when you transition, it's, I'm not going to take it off, but it's like me having this shirt on and just removing it. It's, it's, it's alive because I'm in it. It's moving because I'm in it. But the moment I take it off and if I was to lay it down to the floor, it would have no life. It would have no motion. But the real me on the inside is still just fine. So she's in heaven just fine. Her spirit is the real her. Her soul being the real her are in heaven and we'll see her again. But that body, that's what we laid to rest yesterday. But I'm so excited as I looked at the obituary in the back room today. I'm so excited that she knew God. That she knew our Savior. And so the Bible tells us why we may grieve while Alan and the family may be grieving, they, they have hope, they have expectation, knowing that all is well. So even for those of you guys, I just feel led to say this today, but even for those of you guys who have lost a loved one, I don't want you to worry. I don't want you to be afraid. I don't want you to uh, even, even be sad like normal, normal people are sad. Grieving is a part of the process, but you just trust and know that they are well and all is well with them, amen? So continue to pray for Alan and for uh, that entire family. Uh, for those of us who've had a loved one go home and be with the Lord, you especially know that, you know, it can be a very trying time and, um, and it's just important to be surrounded with folks who love you and uh, who can encourage you, you know, and, uh, and we love them so much. And I, I talked to Alan, I was in Detroit over the weekend and uh, I talked to him on Friday it was. And God just said, give him a call and I gave him a call and it was at a good time. And, uh, and, and so just be obedient to the Holy Spirit as he instructs you. Uh, and your words of encouragement or your hug or, or your text or whatever will be right on time as you trust him. Amen? Amen. Um, also, thank you for those who've been uh, praying for me and Melissa. Uh, you know, we had to go to Detroit for a family emergency, but uh, all is well, and we're just seeing great things happen every day with that. A lot of what I shared today is just out of personal testimony of just trusting God and seeing him manifest and seeing things turn around, not because of anything else, this particular family member who was having a challenge, uh, the doctors came and said, uh, oh, I think it was yesterday, the doctors and the nurse, they said, we, we've never seen anybody who had this type of injury uh, recover this fast. So we've never seen it before. Where daily there's, there's progress being made that normally takes weeks and months and sometimes years. But they're starting to understand what God we serve. Uh, there's nurses and doctors that weren't even on call for this particular case uh, that are coming through and just checking on us and just making sure we had everything we need. That's what will happen when you got favor on your life. So even though trouble comes, uh, we just, we'll just stick with the peace. Let nothing move us. You got to understand you have an advantage because of God in your life. I said you have an advantage. 
oh, it may look crazy, it may look weird, but the whole time I was there from Wednesday till till yesterday, I just had peace. Just couldn't be moved. And I was wondering, is something wrong with me? Why am I so, yeah, something's wrong with me. I'm out my mind, and I'm in the mind of Christ. And I just couldn't be moved, no matter what I saw, no matter how different things were than what I was used to. And all the emotions that I had, I just took them to God. And that's what I'm going to continue to do, is just take them to God. Somebody said, you preached on Wednesday night knowing that? Yeah, and I'm going to keep preaching. Why? Because they're all as well. All is well. So thank you for your uh, prayers. Uh, thank you for your concern. But but we live what we preach, amen? We, we got something. We gonna, me and Melissa are going to go head out and do a little cruise we already had scheduled this, this year, this weekend. Y'all better go get y'all some breaks. Pastor Archie ain't here again. What they doing? Having fun. Don't be hating on us. Don't be getting mad at us when you see our feed. Amen. You better, you better receive. You better, you better learn from it. My kid's older now. Oh, Lord have mercy. I've been waiting 20 some years to be able to hang out with my wife and just us. Amen. Who gonna preach? A preacher? The Holy Spirit? <laughs> I'm serious, y'all. We're gonna have a good time. Heading, uh, taking Avery on uh, a good little trip in June, beginning of June. We're we going to be back. We're going to be back, you know, <laughs> a little normally, you know, after June. But, but I, I just want y'all to understand that all of these things are, are, are born out of us just deciding to have peace. We don't go changing our plans just because trouble comes up. Amen. And I understand that sometimes it may be necessary to make adjustments. Don't get me wrong. But unless the Holy Spirit tells me to, I'm like, nope, I'm just going to go. That might, be, that, that might be a part of my prescription of peace. And here I am changing my plans. I saw somebody do that this past week. They begin to change their plans because they thought they knew a better way. And as a result, they begin to get all emotionally out of whack. Why? Because they were trusting in their ability and not in God. I said, Lord, when are we supposed to get this ticket? to go, and when we supposed to come back, because I was going to get just a, you know, one-way ticket. He said, no, you, you go ahead and make that ticket to come back on Saturday, because I need you to preach on Sunday. So I told Melissa, we'll make it till Saturday. When I got there on Wednesday, I was like, oh, I think I may need to stay. He said, what I say? I said, well, you said go on Saturday. Amen. <laughs> but Lord, in the natural, I, I, I don't like what I'm seeing. He said, don't go by what you see. Go by what you know. Amen. And I'll be doggone if Thursday night. Things didn't begin to turn around. And Friday, things turned around more. And by Saturday, the day we left, person's up talking, cracking jokes, this, that, and the other. And I said, Lord, look how good you are. All because, I, you know, I, I believe. You believe what you want to believe. I believe. All because they're surrounded with somebody's who know how to wait for God. So this thing is real. So, so you just make the choice now to trust them. I said, you make the choice to trust them. 
Trust him in your giving that you're about to do. Trust him in whatever he tells you to do when it comes to the prayer time we're going to do. Just trust him. Yeah, don't worry about being perfect. Just trust him. I said, don't worry about being perfect. Just trust him. Somebody said, Archie, I tried what you said, but it worked for me about three hours, and I started cussing somebody out. Well, that's all right. Just come on back and trust them. I'm serious. Sometimes you're trying this thing, and it don't, it don't work out quite like you was hoping it was going to work out as you're performing it, but then you just bring yourself on back. Whoa, Lord, I'm sorry. Whoa, such and such, my bad. I got out of trust for a minute. Thank God for the blood. And you get right back in trust. You get right back in rest and watch him continue to do what he promised. Amen? Uh, if you didn't catch the cue, I hope you did. Uh, if you're giving today, <laughs> just, just go ahead and take those offerings and raise them up. If you're giving by text, it should be up on the screen. Father, we thank and praise you right now. As we sow, we don't sow trying to get you to do something. We sow in line with believing that it's already done. We sow in line with receiving the blessing. And we thank you, Lord, that you've been speaking to us, Holy Spirit. And as a result, we will obey. And we declare that every need in this house, every need in our South Church, every need in our outreach and missions, every need in the lives of every family here is met through your goodness. And we give you all the glory, honor, and praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, you may serve the people, and as they're doing that, if you're in this room and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, trust me, it won't take long, and it's not hard, but he is indeed here for you. If you want to be saved, um, we're going to have everybody stand to their feet in just a quick moment, and what you can do is you can go ahead and come on down here to the front. We want to pray with and for you on today uh, that you receive the best gift that has been given, and that's the salvation that Christ has prepared for you. Um, maybe you say, I am saved but I have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, literally that Spirit of God that we talked about who comes upon you so that you are empowered and enabled to do the will of God uh, here on earth. Uh, if that's you and you want to receive him in that way, then you can also come down. And last but not least, if you don't have a good church home, I love what Dr. Dollar said the other day, we would love to be your pastors. Pastor Melissa and I would love to, to, to be the ones uh, if God has called you to this place uh, to commit this house to you and this family to you to serve you in all the ways that you should be served. Uh, I can't think of any other better place to be than the place that God has called you to. So if you don't have a church home and you want to make World Changes Church Houston your church home, we also invite you. So I'm going to ask everybody to stand to your feet real quick. I want you to go ahead and minister to those who are around you. Ask them if they need prayer on any one of those things, salvation. Baptism of the Holy Spirit or the joining church. If they would say yes, then help them come down to the front. Let's do that right now.
give God a hand clap of praise that all is well in the house. Amen. Praise God. Let's raise our hands as we prepare to be dismissed. Father, we just thank you for the word that we heard on today. Holy Spirit, we hear you. And we'll be at peace. Now unto him who is able to keep us from falling and present us faultless before the almighty God. To him be glory, majesty, dominion, and power, both now and forever. We leave this place full of your grace. And we thank you for your peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We love you guys so much. We'll see you Wednesday night. You are dismissed.